on, for the next few weeks, the Ten Commandments of Jesus. Now, these aren't the old Ten Commandments of Moses. These aren't the Moses Commandments. These are Jesus Commandments. And we say that because everyone thinks when you talk about the Ten Commandments, what do you think of? The Moses Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. But these are um, from Jesus. Many of them are from Jesus' parables. And those that he is commanding us to do to live a life just like him and to be able to um, be operating in God's power and grace and mercy. <clears throat> and I have to tell you the story. That's, I don't remember if it was reckless. I think it was reckless love. The first line is, um, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. So this happened last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon. My nieces were, well, they're my great nieces, okay? So my nieces, three children, three girls, Alexander, Felicity, and Elizabeth, nine, almost seven, and almost four. So um, the seven-year-old, almost seven-year-old Felicity, we were talking about her one uncle, and he just had a birthday, and I hadn't realized he was a lot older than me because I've known him forever, and um, I just he's on his her mom's her grandma's side and so um i just didn't know how old he was and so she, and i said something about she said the year he was born and i said i wasn't even thought of during that time and she looked at me she goes yes you were she was very indignant about this yes you were i said sweetheart no that was way before grandma and poppy ever thought about having me no God thought about you. I went, I just got schooled by a six-year-old. And I said, sweetheart, you are right. You are right. God thought of me before I spoke a word. And it just showed, it, at that moment, I was just so in awe of her because she is very, um, very much like me. Um, and her mom, in that spiritual sense, she, she understands the spirit world. Even at six years old, we've known it since she was little. And so I had to tell you that because I just thought it was funny. But I also get schooled by a six-year-old. So there's always room for us to learn. And that's one thing I think pastors don't know at all. If you think we do, you're wrong. Um, we, we know very little. And so when we are doing these teachings, when we are um, researching and reading and asking the Holy Spirit to give us words and to knowledge and what to write and what to speak. Um, we have aha moments where we learn things. And that happened for me for this one. And I'm going to tell you when Hal said, do you want to preach in April sometime? I said, well, let me look and see what it is. Yes, I do. Let me see which one I want to do. And so I was scanning through the month, and this one popped out, and God says that one. And it's on forgiveness. And I thought, well, that's a good one to preach on. So we are going to be preaching on the fourth commandment, third commandment, fourth commandment, third commandment, and it is forgive. It's on forgiveness, 70 times 7. So if you want to turn your Bibles or get your phones, your pads, whatever it is, to Matthew 18, 21 through 35, we're going to be talking about forgiveness today. And I'm going to be telling a story later about how God brought up some unforgiveness in my life that I did not know existed. And so there's always a time to be in a forgiving mood, right? And um, we're going to learn today about what forgiveness is, what it isn't, and what unforgiveness can do to us. And um, I hope today, my prayer today, is that we leave um, healed and released 
and walking in freedom from unforgiveness. So let's get into the Bible. Now, this is, um, uh, Peter comes to Jesus, and then Jesus tells a parable. Now, when you read this parable, I want you to think of it in this way. It's going to be a king and two servants. The king is God, servant one is you, and servant two is others that have done you wrong. Okay? Because when I read it, that's how God showed it to me. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay? So let's get on to the word. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That's a lot. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, some translations will say like a million dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's a lot of money. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. Remember that. The king forgave him his debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like a, a hundred thousand, something like that. It's not, it's not as much as he owed the king. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow, fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he could should pay his debt. Now, in pre-service prayer, we were like, how can you pay a debt if you're in prison? You can't earn money, unless they have weird prisons back then. I don't know. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked Servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, and he delivered him to the torturers until he could pay all that was due to him. Not fun. So my heavenly Father also will do to each each to you, if each of you, oh my gosh. Father, my let me start over. So also my fa- heavenly father also will do to each if each to I can't get these words right. <laughs> so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Thank you. I've been forgiven. Thank you. I feel so much better. Thank you. So a couple things. God forgives us. He wipes out all of our debts. Jesus did that on the cross. And now we need to forgive others. That is the command of Jesus, that we must forgive, not just once, not just twice, but 70 times 7. For as long as it takes, we must be forgiving. So we get to make that decision every day, whether we live in unforgiveness or forgive others. 
And I've got two pictures up here of forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like chains being wrapped around you. And when we forgive, there's that freedom of those breaking of chains. But it's our decision every single day whether we do that or not. So before we, so what I wanted to do, what the Lord kept showing me is that we need to look at what unforgiveness does to us. And let me tell you, there was a lot of studies out there of what unforgiveness does to us. It keeps us chained to the offender. So what's that mean? The person that does you wrong is if you have unforgiveness against that person, you continue to be chained to that person. That person will never leave your life, whether you want them to or not, or her. They will be chained to you because guess what you're doing? You're thinking about them all the time. You are chained to that unforgiveness. You're chained to that wrong done to you until you can let it go. Now, who wants to be chained to that offender? I don't, because there's been some offenders that are out of my life because I, you know, trust was broken and stuff. Two, it's very toxic. And this is where the studies come in. I thought, you know, I know that unforgiveness has, does stuff to us, but I wanted to see what it was. There were studies by very big-name psychologists, psychiatrists, and the Mayo Clinic, and just put, what does unforgiveness do to us? And you'll find a lot of stuff. But here's some of the top ones. Emotionally. Emotionally, it just plays with our mind. When we have unforgiveness, have you ever had those tracks in your head, that conversation you have with that person that did you wrong? That's emotionally draining for you. It can lead to a depression. It can lead to your emotions, bitterness, rage, anger, hate, revenge. Those are all kill you internally if you live with that. We all know those bitter people that have not been able to let go of stuff, to forgive them. And when we say let go, we really mean forgive. Forgive the wrong that's been done to them. And they live this life this bitterness, bitter, resentful life until they and die inside until they actually pass away. So I don't know about you. I don't want to live like that. Spiritually, unforgiveness will, will separate us from God. It is a sin. And so we cannot be in tune with God. We cannot have a close relationship with God if we have unforgiveness in our lives. Well, that's all I have to say about that. I was thinking there was something else God was going to tell me, but he said no. Okay. So, and then physically. I know. I love when God stops me. It's like, okay, what else are you going to tell me? Um, physically. This is very interesting. Let me read this to you. So, unforgiveness increases our blood pressure. That kind of makes sense. It increases our, it affects our cholesterol. It increases our bad cholesterol and decreases our good cholesterol. Now, I worked in a doctor's office. That's bad. That means you're on medications. That means you're um, in tune for a heart attack or a stroke. So that's bad. Um, it also, let's see, it um, also um, decreases our blood flow to our heart. So it directly affects our heart function. That's not good either. 
And that's where that stroke and heart attack come in play. It's also associated with immunity problems. So if you have a low, you know, immunity problems where you're sick all the time, try looking at where unforgiveness lies in your life. Because that could be and probably is part of the problem. Chronic pain. It's also part of chronic pain. And I know Susan Seltzer has a book. I remember because she was showing me stuff in it. Susan Seltzer is a member of our church. She's home and she's my mentor. Uh, she has a book and it tells you where different emotions like anger and um, revenge and um, different things like unforgiveness falls into your body. And um, one of them is that it's the chronic pain. So if you're in chronic pain, look and see where there's unforgiveness. It also can even cause cancer. I know. My family, we have cancer. My family, there's a lot of unforgiveness. So that was an aha moment for me. So I'm like, I need to really start looking at all my unforgiveness and get rid of it because I don't want to have cancer. Um, so it can also cause cancer. It also increases our cortisol level, which is directly re related to stress and anxiety, which is really bad because cortisol levels, um, it means you're at a high-functioning um, adrenaline, which is bad. It can cause weight gain and fogginess and all this other stuff. So it's bad. Just trust me on that one. And so it's bad for your body. It's bad for your mind. It's bad for your spirit. It's bad for your emotions. It's bad for your body. It's also against, it goes against Jesus' command. We just read, Jesus commanded us to, to not only forgive, but for, for, to forgive 70 times 7, and it's a sin. Because we sin when we go against Jesus, right? So if we don't follow his commands, we are sinning. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to sin any more than I have to. <laughs> we all sin, you guys. It's, it, we all sin. Not on purpose. Most of the time, but we all do. And that's why we seek forgiveness, right? So a lot of people think, well, if I forgive people, I'm just a doormat. People will be able to push me around and all that. No, I'm going to tell you when you can forgive people, it gives you almost like a superpower, right? And we'll talk more about those. But what we want to know what forgiveness isn't because there's a lot of people that think forgive if you forgive People, there's certain things that you have to do, and those are all wrong. So forgiveness isn't letting them off the hook. There are still consequences to pay, and they must pay them. And for you to forgive, it's for you. It's not for them. If they've done something wrong, if they say they robbed you, you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean they don't get to pay you back or pay the consequence of going to jail or you know, paying you, um, compensating you. Whatever it is, you can forgive them, but they still, it's like in a car accident. If somebody hits your car, they still have to pay you for fixing it, or the insurance does, fixing it. You can forgive them. It's just an accident. Of course I forgive you. I mean, I got my car totaled, you know, the poor girl. I felt so bad for her because she was a wreck after it. She felt worse than I did because she felt so bad for hitting my car and total, totaling it. That's okay. I forgive you. Don't worry about it. She still had to pay, or at least her insurance did, which she had to too because I'm sure insurance went up. But there's still the consequences that are coming. It doesn't let them off the hook for what they did. 
it doesn't mean you have to trust them. Forgiveness does not mean trust. Trust is earned, and that is all on the person you're forgiving. So they have to earn your trust back. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I have people that I do not trust. They have not earned my trust yet. I have forgiven them, but I have not. They have not earned my trust yet. And that's okay, because guess what? It's not going to affect me. I'm not letting it affect me because I've forgiven them. Reconciliation. It doesn't mean you're going to have this big reconciliation. Sometimes you will, but it doesn't mean that's going to happen. I have a friendship that um, I actually didn't do anything wrong, but she blamed me for every, you know, everything wrong in her life. She blamed me. I'm not sure how that happened, but that's what happened. And, um, you know, I... It, I was just so angry with her because I'm thinking, I didn't do anything. And that was her thing. Well, you didn't do anything. It's your life. You have to live it. You have to make those decisions. I can't make them for you. And so um, I forgave her. I don't know that she ever forgave me. Um, there's been no reconciliation. There is no trust there. Um, we are just starting to be friends on Facebook again. And I'm doing, I'm friends with her daughters. And that's who I care about. I mean, I care about her, too. I want her to live life a good life. But I have the relationship with her daughters, and she's there, right? So there's no reconciliation. Could there be in the future? Sure. God can do amazing things. But it doesn't mean that we have to reconcile with the person that wrongs us. And the last one, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. A lot of people say, oh, just forgive and forget. There are some things that you can never forget. You can move on from, you can move forward from, but you may never forget it. And here's the key. You can't live in that. You can't live with ever whatever happened. When you have forgiveness, when you forgive that person, you can't live in what happened to you. You have to move forward. That's the key. You don't have to forget about it, but you can't live in it. Because there are some things we can never forget. And that's okay. We just can't live in it. And forgetting doesn't change the past. And what we hope to do is in that, learn from it, grow from it, and move on from it. And that's what forgiveness does. So it doesn't mean forgetting. In Mark 11, 22 through 26, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and, do, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. We have to forgive. That's all through the Bible. Forgive, I, I forget to count. I put forgive in, and forgiveness in the Bible, and so many verses came up about forgiveness and forgiving. And always, we must always forgive. I've been looking at my notes. Where am I? So... I put four types of forgiveness, and it's really not types. I guess four ways maybe is the better word. I asked the, the people in prayer, and they're like, eh, I don't know. 
So maybe four ways of forgiving. And the future, first one is uh, mutual forgiveness. And we're going to do this, um, get into this before we talk about um, what forgiveness is. So mutual, the person did you wrong, they asked forgiveness, you forgave them. It's 50-50, it's on both sides. Now, this is the best type of forgiveness, really, because you know you're wrong. You ask for, the person knows they're wrong. They ask for forgiveness. You're able to forgive them. Now, if it's a big thing, it doesn't mean you trust them. No. It doesn't mean you reconcile with them. No. It doesn't mean you forget about it. No. It just means forgiveness. Now, most of the time when that happens, you still have trust. Um, you know, Linda and I have asked for forgiveness to each other all the time. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry I said that. I didn't mean it. Oh, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. Hug it out. Well, we used to hug. We don't hug. Um, but it's a mutual It's a mutual forgiveness. And one that it's the best way, really. Now, the other way is it's individual and it's 100% up to you. And this is the hard one, is a hard one for people because someone did their, did you wrong. They don't apologize. They don't ask for your forgiveness, yet you still need to forgive them. And this one takes a bit, doesn't it? Because you're mad. And that's okay. You're allowed to have emotions. You're allowed to feel hurt. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to all do all that. You just can't live in it and let it go on and on. And so that's when forgiveness comes in. And you have to forgive that person. Now, when you do it, I always say, I just do it every day until it sticks. Because guess what? It doesn't stick the first time with me usually. It usually takes me a few times, 70 times 7 sometimes. And sometimes it's years. But I work on it, right? That's so individual. The third one is intercession. Now, Jesus on the cross said in Luke 23, 34, um, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Moses went to God all the time on behalf of the Israelites. We can go to God for other people's benefit, especially if they don't know who God is. Those are the ones that we need to intercede for and say, Lord, they just don't know, understand what's going on. Will you forgive them? Will you go after them? Will you pursue them? I've done that with people. I've prayed, Lord, they just don't know what they're doing right now. It could be a believer that's just a little lost. Lord, they just don't know what they're doing right now. Please forgive them, pursue them, love them, continue to love them. Go after them. Bring them. Bring Christians into their life, into their relationships. Just go after them, but forgive them this one time. And we can intercede for people. And I think I love to intercede for people because it's one of the most powerful prayers that we can do. And when we can ask the Lord for forgiveness, it's even more powerful. So we can intercession or intercede for people. And the hardest one is forgiving ourselves. God forgives us all of our sins when we go to him and we say, Lord, please forgive me because, oh, man, I was wrong on this one. Please forgive me. And he does. And he does it so lovingly. But then we sit there and go, why are you such an idiot? And we do that self-talk, right? That negative self-talk. Why, why, why? And we cannot and we don't forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. Now, anything with forgiveness, I'm going to say this because this was one of my aha moments with it. 
God said, when you don't forgive yourself, when you don't forgive others, you're putting yourself above me because I forgive everyone. So if you think you're better than me, then live in unforgiveness. Oh, that was like a knife to the chest, right? When we live in unforgiveness, we're saying, Lord, you don't matter. We don't trust you. We don't believe you. We're better than you. You can forgive. I'm not going to forgive. Yeah, God forgives you. Now you need to forgive yourself. There's a lot of things that I've had to forgive myself for. And uh, it's going to be ongoing, I'm sure, as God brings it up. So what is forgiveness? What happens when we forgive? The first thing, forgiveness is a command. We've already went over this. It's a command. We must forgive. If we don't, it's a sin, and we're putting ourselves above God, which is not a place, I'm going to tell you, not a place you want to be. It is a process, 70 times 7. We need to practice forgiveness, right? If we practice reading and writing, we practice our piano or musical instruments, we practice singing, we practice speaking in front of people, we practice thanksgiving, right? How we practice uh, being grateful, we need to practice being forgiving. Like I said, I've forgiven people 70 times 7 until it's stuck. We need to forgive till it sticks. And I think when, when I read this first time, when I read this, uh, passage, Matthew passage, passage the first time, what God showed me was Jesus wasn't saying that this one person was sinning against Peter every single day or all the time. It was, no, Peter, you need to forgive them until it sticks. And that's how I read it the first time. And I was like, well, shoot, God, thank you very much for showing me that. We need to forgive until it sticks. It is a process. We have to get over each of our emotions and our physical reactions to people. And that will take time. So if it doesn't stick the first time, guess what? Just do it again, and do it again, and do it again, 70 times 7. Forgiveness is giving up hope of a different past. This came from the men's group, so thank you, men's group. Um, giving up hope from a different past. Our past can't change, whether we forgive someone or whether we live in, when we live in unforgiveness. It won't change. What happened, happened. And when we forgive that person, we can get to move on, even with the past staying the same. So we do not have to give up. We don't have to live in the past. We're giving up the hope that the past will change when we can forgive, and we can move on from that. I like that one. So thanks, guys. I don't know who said it, but thank you. Forgiveness is healthy. Remember all the bad stuff unforgiveness gave us? Well, guess what? The studies also showed that when we start forgiving others, ourselves, our blood pressure normalizes, it goes down, our cholesterol levels improve, our blood flow improves, our stress and anxiety goes down, our mental um, stuff, gets, our head gets clear, no more of that uh, self-talk, negative talk. Um, we, our chronic pain just starts to disappear, our immune system improves, and cancer levels go down. How many of you want that on your health report? Right? Amen. So 
It's healthy emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We will be healthier individuals. We will be whole when we can forgive. I want to live like that. It also is freedom. When we can forgive, we can live in freedom and in the power that God has for each one of us. I told Kim, I said, it's like God gives us a superpower when we can forgive. Because guess what? When we forgive, we're living with God. We're in tune with God. We have him. Um, we're in communication with God. And guess what? He says we get to do, Jesus said, we get to do everything he did and more. That's our superpower, right? So forgiveness is like a superpower. We want to be powerful for God to do God's will, to do God's work, to expand his kingdom here on earth. His kingdom he is here on earth. We want to do what God wants us to do. We want to partner with him to change this world, to draw more people to him. And the only way we can do that is when we're living in freedom, when we're living, living in freedom and living with forgiveness. When we can forgive those that hurt us. Yes. So here's my story. I told you I had a story, an aha story. Isn't she cute? That's me. I was like nine in that picture, ten. And this happened, this story happened when I was eight or nine. I don't remember now. But I've told you guys this story a million, not a million times, a bunch of times, because it's part of my faith story. And this story is, many of you know, that I did not grow up in the church at all. We never went to church as a family. And so one of my first experiences in church was when I was like eight or nine years old in Montana. We were visiting my aunt and uncle and my cousins, and they had just moved from Huntington Beach to Montana. And so we went to visit them, and for whatever reason, we all decided to go to church. Never went to church before, um, and so we did. So they had the church and the school. Picture Little House on the Prairie. Seriously, picture Little House on the Prairie, the one-room school room slash church. That's exactly what it was. They had a basement that the older kids went into, and us younger kids went outside and were sitting under a tree. Beautiful summer day. So picture a little house in the prairie, though I wasn't wearing the little petticoats and stuff. So here we are sitting under the tree, and this young Sunday school teacher decided um, we were going to read the Bible lesson. Decided it would be a good idea to ask the new girl, me, to read the lesson. I politely said, no, thank you, because I ain't going to do it. No, no, thank you. She goes, oh, come on. She's trying to coax me to read the Bible lesson. No, thank you. She asked me a third time. This was my response. No. Guess what I remember from Sunday school? That encounter. That's it. I don't remember anything else. I remember where we were sitting. I remember kind of what she looked like. I remember my cousin sitting next to me, me sitting on the ground, and being really pissed off at eight, nine years old. Now, the Lord brought this up and says, you've never forgave her. What do you mean I've never forgiven her? I, I don't even think about it. And as I thought about it, he says, you have not forgiven her. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know what? Oh, shoot. When I talk about it, there's something inside of me that stirs. That's a little indignation. That's a little, ugh. That it kind of pisses me off still. Because how dare you 
make a little girl that's never been to church, never seen a Bible, never read the Bible, who hated talking to people, who was shy, who was such an introvert that she didn't raise her hand in school, that didn't like to talk in front of her classmates, read a Bible story in front of all these people that she never knew. Did the teacher know all that? No. And that's what the Lord showed me. The Lord said, she was trying to include you and be part of the group. She didn't want to ostracize you. I felt ostracized. I felt, like, shamed. I felt all these emotions. And I'm like, well, dang it. I didn't know that. I didn't, you know. And so he goes, look, you've been a Sunday school. I was a Sunday school teacher. What did it feel like? And it's like, well, it's hard because you get visitors in. You don't know what they know, who they know. And, you know, you just want everyone to feel included. And that's all she wanted to do. She wanted to include me in this group. But she didn't know my back history. She didn't know I was an introvert and that I was extremely shy, which is hard to believe now, I know. But I really I really am um, much of an introvert. And I didn't like talking in front of people. It scared me. What if I read the wrong word? What if I didn't know how to pronounce a word? You know? And then put on top of that, I'd never been in church. I'd never been in a Sunday school. I never looked at a Bible, let alone read one. So no, I wasn't going to do that. So this week, I've had to really process that and forgive this young Sunday school teacher who I have no clue who she was. I don't know her name. I've never, I saw her once and never again. Um, so whatever, whoever you are, I'm so sorry that I kept holding this grudge against you. I, and there was a freedom set off in in um, in me that I didn't realize was holding me back. From nine years old, eight, nine years old, an unforgiveness that was holding me back. And I felt such a freedom when I was really ready to look at it and understand it and let it go and forgive. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. There's a lot of other forgiveness stories. All of us have them and how we have forgiven others. Um, and I think that is a good thing. And we continue to do that every day. So what are some practicalities to forgive? One, we need to reconcile with God. If we're unreconciled, we need to reconcile with him. We need to um, be one with him. We need to be in the word with him. We need to. It always goes back to the same thing. We need to be with him. We need to be in the word. We need to be sitting at his feet. We need to be in prayer. And prayer doesn't mean just spewing out our prayers. That means sitting at his feet and listening, meditating on his word. So we need to reconcile with God. Because if we don't, we can never really, truly forgive. We need to see the image of God in others. So when I look out at Eric, if I didn't like him, I actually love him. I just think he's one of the great people. But if I didn't like him, like, I don't like you, Eric. If I didn't like him, I still have to look at him and say, he's God's child, he's God's child, he's God's child. And it makes all the difference in the world. When we can see that they are made in the image of God, it is much easier to forgive. I've had people in my life that irritate me. We'll just say it. None in this room, please. Nobody in this room. Um, but I've just, you know, they're those people that you just kind of go, oh, shoot, they're coming. And I started saying, no, they're God's child. 
And guess what? I have a better relationship with them. I don't want to run the other way. I don't want to spend a lot of time with them, but I certainly don't want to run away. So we need to, when we're forgiving someone, we need to look at them and remember that they are God's child and that we need to look at them with, as the image of God. That's a big one. That'll make forgiveness a lot easier when you can do that. It's a process. We need to remember that it's a process and we need to practice it 70 times 7. Again, it's over and over and over. I think I spent about three years forgiving one person because of the wrongs, right? It took a long time, but I just had to keep doing it. Every time it would pop up, something else would pop up about the person. I'm like, shoot, thought I was over that one, but I guess not. You've got to keep bringing it up. Make the decision every day to forgive. It is a decision we have to make every single day to forgive. It's not something we can just slack off. It's one and done. It is a process, and we need to make that decision every day to forgive. I'm going to ask the um, praise team to start coming up. Um, and when all else fails, you ask Jesus for help, right? Always, always ask Jesus for help. It's like, Lord, you know my feelings. You know what they did. Help me to forgive them. Help me, Lord, to forgive them. I can't tell you how many times I have said that with someone. Lord, help me to forgive them. And he will. He will send his Holy Spirit to you, and he will help you forgive them. In Colossians 3, 12 through 14, therefore, as God's chosen people. Now, if you were doing my daily Bible reading and reflection, yesterday's verse was this Colossians verse. So you'll recognize it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. When we can truly love God and truly love others, we can forgive them and follow Jesus' commandment. Why don't you all stand up? We're going to take a little bit of time um, to make a choice. It's your decision whether you forgive or not. You can live in unforgiveness and live that unhealthy, bitter, rage life, or you can be set free and operate in God's power and mercy and grace and live in forgiveness. And so I just want to take a little time. Kim's going to just do those strumming. Let's take a few moments just to kind of sit and ask the Lord to reveal any unforgiveness in ourselves. Um, those people that may have hurt us, maybe you have to for, you need to forgive yourself. Um, whatever it is, we're just going to sit and ask the Lord to show you who you need to forgive. And take this opportunity to say, Lord, help me to forgive. I forgive blank, whoever. Those of you at home, do take time to do this as well. So, Father God, we just come to you today and we thank you that you forgave us. We thank you that we can live in freedom. And now, Lord, we ask that you reveal to us, that you bring up any unforgiveness that are in our lives, whether it's ourself, towards others, towards you. Whatever it is, Lord, show us now.
Father, help us to forgive those who have offended us, who have wronged us. Help us to live in freedom. Help us to be healed from any unforgiveness, Lord. Help us to live in wholeness with you. Thank you, Father, for your Son for his sacrifices so that we may be forgiven and live in freedom without fear of sin. We can live in victory and in love, grace, and mercy. Thank you, Father. Amen. Sit at the 
Tamara was talking. I can't play and talk, so sorry. You're just getting my voice. Um, I'm kind of visual, and so 
had this picture of this person carrying around this giant bag, almost like a Santa Claus bag. Everywhere they went, just carrying around this bag. And then they came to this room, and it was like a prayer room, prayer closet, whatever you want to call it. So they go in, they sit there in the bag, they start talking to God, they're unpacking everything, everything that was done to them, and like they were going through it with God, working through it, and getting their forgiveness for it. And then they put everything back in their bag and walked out and carried that same Santa bag with them. And then the next person, same thing, Santa bag, walking in, just beaten down and trudged by just you can tell his weight and weighing him down, come in the room, they start unpacking it, and they start putting it on shelves all around the room. And they took their empty bag and left with it. And so my encouragement for you, it's easy to go and say, okay, God, these are all the things that people have wronged me with. But I'm going to keep on him. We're just going to keep going. Um, leave, him, leave him with him. And live and walk in that grace as you fill your bag up. Because you will continue to fill your bag up. It's just life. But we don't need to carry around the things that have been done to us, the wrongs that we've experienced. We acknowledge them. We forgive. We put them up so we can see them if we need to go back. But then you leave them in God's room. You can work it through them when they're in the room, but they never come out of that room. So that's my encouragement to you, is to live in the grace that God's bestowed upon you. Don't carry the junk around. Amazing grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see so clearly. Falls down on me. Hallelujah! Oh, my sins are washed away. Are washed away. was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I 
Thank you. 
This week, washed in grace, leaving your bag in this room. Leave your contents in this room. Take the bag with you. That way you can come next week and refill it and leave it here again. Vicious cycle. Have a great day, guys.